The Contenders is a proud member of the Cage Club Podcast Network. For other great shows about movies and pop culture, go visit cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. My mom said that you're homeless. Is that true? No, I'm not homeless. I'm just houseless. I know you. Yeah, hi. Dave, right? Yes. Fur? Yes. Have your uh, can opener. I live in there. It's my home. Welcome to The Contenders. The show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse. Yeah, start that again because I'll hear all that bumping. Sorry, I was. I realized it was too far away. (laughs) And I could have taken it from another episode, but that would be a lot of work. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. Welcome to the Contenders, the show about the movies made by and starring women who refuse to play by the rules. I'm Islan Addington, and I'm Tobin Addington. And in this episode, we are starting our month of the Oscars. Meaning we have two episodes. (laughs) So so this is a bonus, really. This is a mid-month bonus. It is. It is. You're welcome. You're welcome. And we will be... Thank you so much for being here. And we will be talking about (laughs) this year, 2020's Nomadland. Yes, Nomadland. Nomadland, which you can find on Hulu. On Hulu. Um, so this is we, uh, the Oscars are this month. Uh, unusual in recent times for it to be in April. They pushed it back because of COVID, etc. And so for the first time ever in Oscar history, there are two women nominated for Best Director and in the same year. Um, and before that, I think there have been like maybe half a dozen. So not, hey. not, not many ever. Maybe that's maybe not even that many, but now two in one year. So huzzah, I suppose. Thank um, y'all so much <laughs> for both slots. So, um, so we decided that we would like to cover both of those films in the month of April uh, in the lead up to the Oscar ceremony on April 25th. So here we are to talk about the first of those two. Here we uh, are. And I'm so excited to talk to you about it, Toman, for all the reasons you know, one of them being David Strathairn. Absolutely. Um, And another being, I so, gosh, well, I'm so, I'm so excited that this is one of the movies for the uh, uh, awesome lady directed. Mm -hmm. I could also see you directing this movie. Oh, wow. It's, it's had like, there was a real um, vein of Tobin in it for me. Oh, wow. Um, which I don't so say <laughs> I don't say to diminish Chloe's work because it's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And I'm so glad that a woman wrote it and directed it. Just saying if it had to be a man, I think you could have done it. Oh my so. gosh. I'm so that's it's so so nice of you. I I, I am so um in love with her work. Um, and um, I, I, she cites a lot of films that I, well, we're close to the same age. She cites a lot of the, some similar filmmakers as influences, the people oh, that I cool. really love. So, but I'm totally flattered. I, that's amazing. Um, I, so did you know about, what did you know about this movie before you saw it? How much was this in your, in your vision? Nothing. Nothing. Wow. I knew, I mean, I knew it was, um, I had heard the murmurs. Right. I knew it was an Academy Award nominated film. I knew that it was, um, you know, Frances McDormand in like her 
she has an authenticity mm-hmm. and and like we say in the opening a fearlessness that is probably cliche to point out however i pointed out because i still think it's really uncommon mm-hmm. um and so i i was aware that this was a Frances McDormand movie before I knew it was a Chloe Zhao movie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, well, I, I can't wait to dig into that. Um, I was aware of it ahead of time because I loved Chloe Zhao's previous movie, The Writer, which I've had on our list of movies to talk about from the very first time we sat down to, to make a list. You have. And the problem was <laughs> I was listening to you, not reading the thing. And uh-huh. I thought you were trying to get us to cover The Writer. Oh, which does not fit our criteria. What's the writer? Isn't that an Ewan McGregor, um, Roman Polanski? That's the ghostwriter. Ghostwriter. So in my head, <laughs> you were tight, and I was like, "What? Why is why is he trying to shoehorn in this in here?" Oh God, no. Um. Anyway. Wow. So, no. 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 Yeah. yeah. So I see. Writer. Yes. No. Writer. Sometime. Sometime. I'd love for us to to um to take a look at it uh, because it, 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 it's a very, you know, it's a sort of a, this is the spiritual successor to that movie in terms yeah. of the way it's shot and where it's shot and all kinds of stuff. So, um, but anyway, I, so I was aware of her from that. Um, and, and then was aware that as this movie was being made and then as it was coming out and then as it was, it played a bunch of festivals last year. And so right. it and was successful, very successful. And so it, as all that buzz continued to generate, and then like the, 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 um, uh, what the hype kind of crescendoed around it before I had a chance to see it. And I thought, Oh no, now, now it's going to be one of the things where the hype is so huge. I'm going to watch it and be disappointed with it. And we'll get into whether or not that happened. But I was, it was a movie that I was maybe too aware of leading up yeah. to the seeing of it, gotcha. um, uh, uh, to have a pure experience. So it'd be really interesting to compare our two experiences of this movie. Absolutely. It is as I, as you're describing it to me and then it, some of that becomes more familiar. Part of it is that, I am one of the people who whose um, pandemic self has been things I have already watched. Mm-hmm. And I think it's, you know, to my detriment, especially as someone with multiple podcasts. But, um, <laughs> but in the times where I was like sitting as I'm doing now in the guest room at my overflow, overflow closet – because I'm not a van dweller um, <laughs> looking at my beautiful clothes saying, will I ever wear these clothes again? <laughs> it's just one set of pajamas to another um, <laughs> and watching, you know, uh, drag race over and over again. <laughs> yeah. But as you describe that um, publicity journey or the um, visibility journey mm-hmm, of it, mm-hmm. it does sound like kind of the best you could hope for with these circumstances mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that it was early enough. Well, one that it, you know, was filmed in 2018. So they got it right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. We've got it. Yeah. And then played festivals prior to things shutting down. Mm-hmm. Right. And then had enough recognition to not be washed in the wave of all things coming out mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. streaming that it was still kind of able to, um, balance on top. I don't know. That's just what I'm right. And, and, it and, sounds like, Oh good. Cause this could have easily been lost. Long story short. Right. Is what I'm trying to say. 
And in terms of its Oscar, its awards journey, a movie that is a clearly about the American moment, but not about the pandemic, allows right. it to be something that people I think have not. It's not been as much of a climb for for people to watch awards voting people. Yeah. Um, clearly, so uh, yeah. Excellent. Well, so you've already shared so much that has given me context. Um, can you have a couple more bits of film history, please? Two more bits. One is that the this is based on a nonfiction book uh, by Jessica Bruder. Um, and and as such, you know, Zhao is the credited writer, although it didn't have a traditional screenplay. It was more felt as they went along. They sort of found people and learned their stories and incorporated some of them into the movie. And um, she would she would um, collect monologues from these people and then rewrite ver- ver- you know, pieces of them into it and then give them back to them to to speak in the movie. So there's a whole lot of reality woven into the fiction of the movie in um, ways that I think really, um, really penetrate uh, the soul. Um, the second is that this is Chloe Zhao's first studio funded movie. Her first two movies were purely ind- came from independent financing. Um, and as you say, she was shot a while ago. Her next project is a, a Marvel movie, the Eternals uh, with Camille Nanjani and uh, you know, Julie, uh, 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 Angelina Jolie, I mean, a whole bunch of huge, huge old people. And they, they, my understanding is she was editing them both simultaneously, which is wild to me that this was edited at the same time as this, as this Marvel movie. But she, so she had um, uh, Chloe had uh, uh, studio notes in the editing room, which was a new kind of experience for her. And we, we can talk about that as we go as we go through the questions that came up that way. Anyway, it just took, it took a long time to edit because they had all this footage um, sure, and sort of find, find the story afterwards. So, um, yeah, those are two bits of uh, two more bits of film. I love it. And in my understanding, also, two and a half bits is that, and at least parts of this, they were living in vans while doing it as well, which, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, you don't have to do, I'm not. I'm not purely a method person. However, for this kind of thing, it would feel disingenuous, I think, maybe mm. not to, depending on what's, you know, what your goal is and what you're trying to capture. Um, but certainly the intimacy um, with folks who um, are out on the road, sort of, I think, when they maybe kind of had to do it that way <laughs> to <Yeah>. get <laughs> entrance in the community, but also... I think that I don't know shows a um, a an integrity to what they're trying to say that I that I liked. Totally, absolutely. Um, Isla, could you tell us about the ladies in charge, women involved in major roles in Nomadland? Would love to. So, as we have mentioned, writer, director, editor Chloe Zhao. actors Frances McDormand, Patricia Greer. Linda May, Angela Reyes, Teresa Buchanan, Carrie Lynn McDermott Wilder, Brandy Wilbur, McKen- Mackenzie Echeverry, Annette Webb, Rachel Bannon, and Charlene Swanky. Based on the nonfiction book by Jessica Bruder. Producers, Molly Asher, Jessica Bruder, Emily Jade Foley, Francis McDormand, 
Taylor Shung, and Chloe Zhao. Art direction, Elizabeth Godard. Costume design, Hannah Peterson. Very nice. Great. Uh, um, while we're still in the opening bits, I wanted to mention something that this movie reminded me of mm. um, that um, could be interesting to folks if if this um, if this movie resonated with you, um, certainly I would go back to that source material to see what what was in um, the book. I've done that myself. I've read Dangerous Minds and the sequel uh, <laughs> as an example. Dangerous um, Minds? Exactly. Uh, but the what I wanted to bring up was um, a, a book called uh, Nickeled and Dimed by Barbara Ehrenreich, um, who that and I came to know that uh, study in book from sociology. She's a social scientist and uh, like all of us is not perfect. And there's um, there have been uh, critiques of what is missing in that um, specifically some more conversation around um, race and things. Um, so it's not a perfect by any means, but this super academic lady <laughs> um, sort of put everything away including like her home. Um, and, uh, and I, f- I forget the details of what she had with her, but just like three months worth of minimum wage or what have you, and went off for six months to find work and wow. did um, the kinds of, and it reminded me, it was the kinds of things, um, some short-term seasonal things that, um, and, and talked about how it is to get by or what it is that folks worry about that don't. And that, um, the issue of um, there's no way to get ahead kind of right. It's that we, what what we all um, tend to not think about as much as how much is inherited and how Mm. that Mm. um, is so integral to your, like your trajectory financially. Mm -hmm. And um, so she was trying to point out that working class um, or working poor, uh, various issues that a lot of academic folks folks maybe don't think of or the kinds of things she was reading were much more um bird's eye view right of this is you know these are the trends these are the cohorts poverty line you could read about um assistance statistics and all that but this was uh, the um new at its time it's in the late 80s i believe um, or yeah, maybe nineties. I'd have to look. Um, any, in any case, for example, our mother loved it. I randomly mm. recommended it one day cause she was looking for a book and it's not the kind of book that I typically would think of, but she loved it. And then she read the sequel. So if you, if you want to talk about nickel and dimed with mom, but in any case that, Two, um, 2001, apparently is when it came out. Okay, so let me take out the part where I said it was the 80s and say it was the 90s um, when she did that work. Although, like... Lead, leading up to, yeah. Yeah, the the book didn't come out the next day. Academics is long. Um, <laughs> and then the... Yeah, anyway, there was a drug thing that I think is interesting that we don't get into in this movie. But, like, what people test for versus what impedes work is mm, a huge issue. Interesting, interesting. Um. 
So now I've gone on a super tangent, but I had nickel and dimed in my head when I was watching this movie. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say before I ask you a question, Tobin, is that I watched in two set sessions mm-hmm. because it I it found it very heavy. Mm-hmm. And I was like on the verge of tears the entire time. The whole movie. Is yep. that typical or am I in the middle of something? <laughs> I mean, I would say perhaps both. I don't know. I mean, t- to one degree or another, we're all in the middle of, of things. Um, but I, my heart, like my the 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 sheen in my eyes, the whole movie. I mean that that the throat lump that might you know come, yes. come overcome at any point. I mean, I think I think I sat through the credits and listened to the. I did too. Closing credits. I mean, so I I, ex- I shared that experience with you. Oh. Um, can I give the plot summary before we go oh much God, further? I'm so sorry. No, it's yeah. okay. It's okay. <laughs> Listen, this is free form, just like the movie, right? Like we're finding our way through. Uh, we're gonna get notes about it. <laughs> uh, Chloe Zhao. So I listened to a. I'm gonna out tangent. Um, there's a podcast by a um, uh, famous among cinematographers cinematographer um, who interviews people he's worked with over the years and he does done a lot of work for the Coen brothers. And so Francis McGorman came on his podcast to talk to him. Um, and uh, it was a wonderful interview and they talked about Fargo and the things they worked on in the past, but she made a comment. Francis McGorman made a comment about this movie that Chloe, she and Chloe sat down. And as they were talking about the character, Chloe described it as a, she was like the docent leading the audience through oh, yeah. these various landscapes and people. Um, and I, I totally feel that feels like exactly what the, what it is, but as a result, it's a little hard to give a plot summary sure. uh, in the traditional sense. So this is, this is what I have short and sweet set in 2011. Nomadland follows Fern played with deep unselfconscious humanity by Francis McDormand, a 60 something widow whose entire town has literally been eliminated during the great recession. We follow Fern as she moves from job to job, living in a retrofitted van, encountering other survivors of late stage capitalism. She builds relationships, leaves others behind, always on the move, trying to figure out where and if she fits into this new American millennium. There are no easy answers in Nomadland. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Thanks. Uh, So tears all through, lumps in throats. Um, And I think it's Frances McDormand just the whole time. I mean, I... There is something to me, I think, because she's f- familiar, mm-hmm. and and I've s- seen her on um, unadorned before. Yeah. Sure. Um, you know, we we're not going to talk about three billboards outside. Let's, let's not. Um. But in that movie, like the, you know, in terms of, of her being, um, appearing makeup free and, right. um, dressed in a utilitarian mm-hmm. right. way yeah. and, um, uh, androgynous way and all that, um, mm-hmm. like in that sense, it was familiar. And yet like I, Fern was such a fantastically three-dimensional character even though like 
I don't know. I want to, cause there's that whole like, oh, is, is, am I looking at Francis? Am I looking at Fran? And I feel like I was, is somehow both of them at the same time. Like, <laughs> yeah, Francis yeah. Was, was showing me Fern, who was showing me, like, like she said, this, this world and what a, um, I don't know. It's just, a, it's just so, like, it's all nuance. Right. Yeah, in that, right. like nothing happens in quotes. Right, and, right. and truly I was waiting and I, um, I do not care about spoilers in the world. And so I, when I started immediately, I am would to see if something violent happened. Right. Because right. my assumption was that something violent was going to happen. Right. Um, and so that that was not a part of this story. Right for me it was helpful for me to focus on what I need to be focusing on, not saying yeah. that we shouldn't depict one thing or another, but, um, but I was glad selfishly that that wasn't where we were going, but we went like everywhere else. Yes, right. Starting with Amazon, which I was like, Oh, how am I going to feel about this? And I think delightfully it wasn't about Amazon. Yeah. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Well, Amazon is Amazon is the symptom of of the things going on, and and that I think, you know, um, and and as with everything else in this movie, as you say, it's it all being subtlety. It's like it's like this the 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 skin is that's a bad way. That's not a nice way to say that. Um, But the the usual plot contrivances that you have in whatever kind of movie this might be, even just indie movie, woman on the road movie, uh, you know, lost soul indie movie, like all of these things that, that the movie kind of the territory, the movie is playing in usually has some clear plot delineations along the order that you have the whole David Strathairn thing. So this came up because one time as they were developing the character in the movie together, which is what they did, like just hanging out together yeah. um, before Chloe, or maybe in and around the time Chloe Zhao went out and was doing the interviews and stuff too. But they're at Francis McDormand's house and Davis Trahan lives in the neighborhood and came over with his wife for dinner. And Chloe's like, Hey, you sh- he should be in the movie. And Fran's like, Fran's like, yeah, that sounds, that'd be great. You know, he's great. And then like, they just developed this character for him because he was over for dinner. And so he ends up, you know, he shows up in the movie. I was watching with uh, my wife and she saw, like, she didn't recognize him until the third scene. He's just like handing out food and stuff early on. Yeah, you know, and like, I saw him with the vegan chili. Yeah. And so, so she had missed him there. So when he came up, like, she's like that looks like David Strathairn. And I'm like, yes, it is David Strathairn. And I, yeah. I noticed on Twitter as our um, frequent guest, Derek Heckman, was watching, um, he posted a, a, a screenshot of David Strathairn as he showed up and was like, oh, my God, David Strathairn's in this movie. But the, that and the, that his son and his son. Yes. Yes. And that that becomes a it is a plot point in the movie. It's it, it's a recurring character and it helps shape our understanding of Fern and Fern's understanding of herself and all of that. And the way their paths diverge, but it's not the will there, won't they plot in the same way you're expecting it to be. And there is no, there is no violence to toward uh, there is this is a whole movies operating in the, in the um, post violence. Like the violence has been done by the system to her and all of these people and all of us and the town, especially at the town that she was in 
has been done. And this is the aftermath of the, the violence. This is the scar tissue mm-hmm. of that. Um, and, and that, that, and so there doesn't, there doesn't need to be, I, I put need in quotes, but, but the, a lot of movies would have that, would have that. She finds right. a dog, she defends the dog, the dog ends up getting hurt. Like all of the things that might, that might normally happen don't happen in the same way in this movie. And I thought, I find that, I found that so refreshing. Yeah. No, agreed. <laughs> I, I was also, because, I love both of them as actors and I, I did so enjoy their chemistry. Yeah. I think I am meant to be disappointed. Maybe that they aren't along paths that are able to cross for longer. Right. Um, oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. No, it's, I, I think it's heartbreaking that they can't be together. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, it's true. It's, it's, it's appropriate, but it's heartbreaking. And, and like you say there, you know, there's no easy answers and because it's a, a journey, like the fun part is then we don't know what happens after and blah, blah. Um, I love that they were at wall drug too. Yes, I wall know. Drug is meaningful. That was fun. Um, <laughs> Oh, uh, so also, I don't know um, what, so what are your thoughts as a filmmaker about that kind of blurring that line where you have, you know, Bob Wells, who, as I understand, is Mm -hmm. the person who, um, or a person whose life calling has become creating community among um, folks that are nomadic van dwellers or travelers and like their little um, sort of opposite Burning Man, honestly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, gathering that I, I mean, that I think was probably the most fun part of the mm-hmm. movie for me was yeah. that like, yes, of course there's community and, and Fern is learning and also like fitting in in a way that I come to later understand the movie she maybe had not fit in before. Right, like, right. Not just that circumstances have taken her to this point, which is what I feel at the beginning of like, oh my gosh, everything is hard. Everything is lonely. Everything is cold. And just it being terrible, then we're able to see this other side that is so colorful and loving and accepting all and all kinds yeah. of things. But right. so, um, the question there was about that kind of blending of reality and drama with either Bob, who is a figure or, um, you know, Linda May or Swanky, the folks that are real life van dwellers and acted, acted even as themselves, but acted in this movie. So how, as a filmmaker, how, well, how does that resonate with you is that a kind of filmmaking you like i am a, such a sucker for that <laughs> that kind of filmmaking i didn't and know you were gonna say that <laughs> really oh no. yeah I, I show my uh, students in there's a class i teach um at in a movie theater i've talked about this before um every spring uh we're doing it over zoom this semester bummer uh oh. but we teach, teach it in a movie theater um and so we get to watch movies on a big screen and i love to show 
uh, a couple of movies in the course of the semester from some from long ago that use these kinds of techniques um, that use a documentary style, not even necessarily in terms of the way the thing is shot or anything, but in terms of the way the story is put together, Mm -hmm. a a, a discovered story, not a constructed story. Um, And I love they're they're so I find them so done well. They're so alive, um, and as you say, so non condescending. What's the other? What's the, what? So so with so much dignity for the humans involved, uh, for the most part. Um, and 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 I so I love it. I, it's so hard. Um, uh, as a filmmaker, I tend more toward a more sort of formalist style sometimes because it's it's easier to put your, put your brain around. Um, but I, but I strive for this. I mean, this is what I would strive for is, is this, this level of, um, in being embedded with, uh, with people and drawing from their actual experiences. And so what, what happens then is that the movie feels like a conduit, like it's conducting the people's stories to us as opposed to telling a story with those people. It feels less like it's using the people and more like it's like channeling their experiences to us in the cinematic form. Um, and that may be a little like, woo, for, for people. And I can see people watching the movie saying, nothing happens, what, like who are just like, because it's not what, what they are used to out of a, a movie in a lot of ways. Sure. Um, but if you're at all primed for it or interested in or open to it i think it's a style that's really um enveloping of this audience i think it like wants to give you a warm hug or at least bring you close to it so it can whisper in your ear um and and if you're quiet enough to listen to it uh then i think it's really rewarding what do you think about this style sounds sounds great well i have a couple of things based on what you said and so we'll we'll bookmark my crappy thing it's over here Um, (laughs) I I I feel like we agree um and but we have different sort of lenses a little bit so I it did remind me so much of um of some sociological work that I've read and things and so I kind of took it back to that more maybe researchy place mm-hmm. and um thinking about the the stuff of it all I um worked on a, a national health national institute of health funded grant about um older folks downsizing oh yeah for multiple years and so my job was to go and interview them after they had moved or in some cases before during and after wow and ask about all your stuff like we wanted to know about stuff yeah and and not necessarily meaning making because a lot of people have done stuff about meaning making but also just like what on earth do you do? Right. You know, so many people and people in my life are, um, pride themselves on how many books are in their homes, which is great. And then that is one of the hardest things for people to get rid of or move past or whatever, because it's heavy mm-hmm. and takes up space. And yeah. like, there's, it's hard to, um, so I love the idea of people's stories and and the way they are treated. It also then the other piece of kind of researchy stuff and, and the sociology of it reminds me of um, when I was learning how to do research and doing feminist research was really important to me in part because of the way people are treated, mm-hmm. which seems, I don't know what it seems from the outside to say that. 
but the more traditional research comes from a more medicalized um, mm. background, right? And so sure. you would have subjects, right? So in social science, we don't have subjects. We have participants, right? But all that right. came out of this um, kind of really more like old white dude format. And yeah. so, um, for instance, when I did interviews for my dissertation, I didn't, um, there were a couple duds in there. Right. These are interviews where the person had a lot to say that had nothing to do with what I wanted or um, or folks that were not having a good day, but still did the interview with me or whatever. Um, I still transcribed everyone because those humans met with me somewhere Mm -hmm. and and shared their story with me. Mm -hmm. And so it's my role to treat that story with respect and dignity. And for me, it was just an N. It was able to say, okay, interviewed 50 people, not 49. But the act of transcribing it, at least there's a document. I could go to that document. I did what I told them I was going to do with it, even if it didn't like help my dissertation. Follow Um, through. Yeah. 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 And that's just one aspect. Like, you know, feminist research encompasses a lot of other things, but the this type of storytelling sounds like it has a lot of synergy mm. with that of we want to highlight it. And yeah, and, and same with mine, right? Like I would, I would lightly edit people's quotes because people don't speak in complete sentences. Right. For example. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or I would put the quote I mean, and then we do on this show all absolutely, the time. Absolutely. Period. But then I would, uh, you know, pluck a quote and then, and then describe it or then explain how it fit into whatever the larger conversation I was having, which to me, it sounds like that's what, you know, the director was doing here of, okay, tell me your story. Yeah. And then you're going to pick out the aspects that are going to resonate or that fit with Fern's journey or that right. Fern needs to hear at that time or what have right. you. So it, um, contextualize them that way. Yeah. yeah. So I, yeah. I, I love that something you include. Um, and I think were we ever to be in the same place at the same time, we could talk about both these kinds of things similarly and like how to be a, I think how to be a good writer and director is probably similar to how to be a good researcher. Likely. I, your work sounds so cool. Oh, stop. Your work <laughs> sounds so cool. Um, <laughs> And as a listener and someone who I'm sorry, I I am hoping this is not a journey I go on in a van as someone who gets very motion sick. The idea of just always driving gives me a lot of anxiety. Um, I loved learning the things like Mm -hmm. and with with Fern, right in the beginning and her plates, like her dishes are very important and we know that. And we see her like outfitting her van and the way that she thinks is going to work. And then as she learns more, it changes and different things become important. And totally. And it's that seemed like such a um, kind of microcosm of any large journey, really. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Has that same kind of scaffolding, but like, how important is your five gallon bucket? Very important. Very important. <laughs> if you ever did decide to go on the road in a van, dad could fit, outfit your van beautifully, though. That's true. I mean, you know, yes. so. If, if for no other reason, dad should watch this so that he can <laughs> tell us what 
else needed to be done or yes. and done better. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, but then the the bookmark I had in the crappy side of of things is like, yeah, at um, at forty five minutes into the movie, I had been almost crying for forty five minutes. Yeah, and I turned it off, and I was like, oh, oh, we're not halfway yet. Oh, okay. And then I was both like, oh man, that's, I got to climb a little bit more in this, but also something that is, does delight me from time to time is, Ooh, what is this movie really going to be about? Yeah. Right. Totally. Totally. Right. Right. Um, right. And so I hope I've redeemed my crappiness of like, Oh, but I, I would get it <laughs> if someone was like, there's not much happens. Yeah. Um, I'm so spoiled to have lived in a number of places that are gorgeous and have desolate stretches. Yeah. That I, I love a landscape. We love a Vista. We do. So I could see it being like, Oh, there's more nature now. And I could see that as being a detriment for some people. I did really love it. I loved being able to see the temperature change and the landscape change. Um, I'm a big fan, as you know, of the um, Ewan McGregor travel docu-series. Totally. Um, So those things were in my mind, too. Obviously, that's very different, right? Those are like, you know, bougie actors riding bougie bikes across (laughs) the world. And yet, when you're in the desert of somewhere not your typical continent right and 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 heating your little meal from a silver package <laughs> all over a fire then it kind of doesn't matter and then they right. again they are similar so if folks want to see more travel i would suggest <laughs> long way down or long way long way round is first and then long way down um and if you like you and mcgregor <laughs> <laughs> don't watch the ghost writer Watch uh, watch these shows instead. <laughs> yeah, though the the travelogue quality to the movie is um, uh, is part of its charm for sure, and I think that the there's there's landscape and landscape is shown to us in a number of ways in the movie. There's the landscapes as she literally moves through and drives to different climates, and we see different landscapes. There's the landscape of people's faces, like unadorned faces in this movie or it's like this, you see people's they're like lived in faces whether it's you know Francis McDormand and David Strathairn these you know academy award winning or nominated actors or or you know Charlene Swanky who is basically playing herself um you know they're they're this sort of nobody in this movie feels like a an actor actor, you know, um, with maybe the exception of David Strathairn's son, who who the performance sticks out just a tiny bit, but maybe that's on purpose. Um, but then there's the all the um the the then there's the the landscape that we see that Swanky has sent the video of the birds flying that she describes. It, yeah. it describes beautifully. You're like, you wouldn't even need to see it. But then when she when we when we see see it and we see Fern seeing it, I mean, I get chills just thinking about that that sequence. Um, but landscape being then something uh, 
not a commodity, but a thing that is transmitted between people, that mm-hmm. it is a, an exchange. Like they use, they're using landscape as an ex, as an emotional exchange between people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that since the whole movie is about small emotional exchanges of various kinds, that to do that through landscape as well through as, as through faces and words and deeds, I just think it's so so, so beautifully all wrapped up in, into what the, the movie's about, which seems to me about under the boot of late capitalism the our only hope is to maintain these connections uh these these emotional exchanges and that that's the survival underneath and and within that beauty can be found mm-hmm. it's not fair it shouldn't be this way right. it it's and, it's and freedom and freedom, right, 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 right. Freedom from all kinds of constraints. Um, so anyway, I, I, I love the, that's, uh, that, uh, the idea of the use of landscape in this movie, I think, is pretty pretty extraordinary yeah. in a way that doesn't feel um, obvious. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't feel put on like, I don't know, like now we're going to show you the Everglades and now we're right. going to show you something <laughs> yeah. else. Um, right, right. <laughs> Switching a little bit from landscape to people, as, as you mentioned, the different faces through the movie, something that, um, again, I, I go back to, I looked up to see, like, if something terrible was going to happen, if somebody yeah. was going to raid her van, if whatever. Right. And even knowing that it wasn't listed anywhere, as I watched the movie, I kept being worried that a new human was going to be danger. Anything uh, uh-huh. from the, um, the, the nomadic band of younger people yeah. that, that come by and are selling things for gas. And then she meets Derek who she then runs into again. Like I was, you know, we've seen that, right. We saw that in Thelma totally. and Louise. Look how that worked out. Totally. So, <laughs> <laughs> like, like I was, I kept, I kept being worried, which I think yeah. is a, a symptom of my expectations, which is that strangers like that there's stranger danger, right? Which right, is a, right. a larger problem that we don't have to talk about right now. But um, I, it has surprised me how surprised I was that uh-huh, uh-huh. that all those encounters not not all were positive necessarily, I guess, but like that they weren't that stranger wasn't scary. And that right, wasn't a threat. Yeah. It wasn't a threat. And then especially among this, it seemed like among this community that there, there was so much trust and community and, and things that I wouldn't have known or I wouldn't have maybe been able to appreciate about, um, a, a van dweller lifestyle until mm-hmm. I saw this. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also I think just speaks back to Fern and, and really, you know, we get to know her more. We get to know her story much more in the back end. Right, right? Right. We learn more about her husband, more about why she stayed in the town. And um, the juxtaposition of when she visits her sister is yes. just yes. wild to be yes. like in a, a backyard party at a talking about real estate about real estate yeah just yeah. like and i did feel empathy for for everyone right it's yeah. not yeah it's not george's fault that he's like epitomizing 
<laughs> the uh, constructs that have let Fern down. Right, right. Um, and it's also not like Fern made us a, a set of choices within those constructs as well and blah, blah, blah. Um, but what am I trying to say? I The scene with her sister I thought was so profound in explaining that Fern may have been weird or out of place or whatever before. But based on how everyone everyone that we interact with through her, everyone remembers who she is and she yeah. very quickly becomes like a fixture. Right. Right. And so I, right. I just, there's something lovely about that for those of us who have felt like weirdos. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And th- there's a, um, there is a lot of movies I love of all different kinds that are about chosen families um, chosen communities, right? Um, I mean, your band of misfits, the idea of a band of misfits. I mean, in a way, this is a big band of misfits movie. <laughs> band of misfits. They're just often not in the same place. Right, right. Um, and they're not trying to, you know, like pull off a, a score or whatever. Um, yeah, but they're not enough. My review, not enough heists. <laughs> yeah. They're not ripping off wall drug in uh, on the busiest day of the year. Or Amazon, yeah, yeah. Um, but there is a, there is a uh, that that's such a that's such a beautiful thread um, in the movie. The scene, so the woman who plays her sister is a, her oldest friend from drama school. They were in drama school together, and so another thing where she's like, "Let's get my friend, you know, yeah. like to play this character," and um, and and so as a result, they have all this history together. They have this. You know, they have such a you can feel the connection, I think, you know, and again, Chloe Zhao is so smart in using that as a way to inform the characters using real life, even if they're not actually sisters, that they've come through, you know, 30 years of of knowing each other as as such close friends um, and, and and then using, you know, her, their, her actual friends, Dorman's actual like the photo albums and the I mean, all this stuff is like from her life and um and 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 you're you're so right. I hadn't thought about it this way, but um, the fact that we get to know we know we know we feel like we know so much about her, and we do. We know who she is in the first half of the movie, mm-hmm. and then we learn how she became, or not mm-hmm. how we learn the 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 path her life took that 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 um, you know to the place where we meet her at the beginning of the movie in the latter half of the movie, and it's such an interesting way to unfold a character where we're not like learning, we're not. We're not learning new. We're not turning it's, over new leaves. Yeah, it's we're like, not like a twist necessarily. Right, right, right. We're filling in mm-hmm. things yeah. in a way that's um, that I I found uh, really exciting uh, in the movie. I want to talk about the Derek scenes uh, yeah. too, um, because I think that the movie plays on our expectation of threat. Yeah. In in and Derek is another person who's that's just. His name's Derek Enders or and- Andres or something like it's just who he is. Like he's the guy, um, but there's a I come with assumptions based on how he's wardrobed and tattooed, and the fact that he's a guy and she's a woman and he's young and you know strong and she's strong but older. Like I, I come with all these assumptions about the kind of threat he might be. And I'm like, Ooh, do you want to go talk to him? I don't know. Like, and it makes me feel bad <laughs> Then when she does and he's 
you know, bad, bad about myself. No, I get yeah, no, yeah. about the movies. Yeah, when, when then she goes and like offers him a sandwich and sits down, you know, they have this whole recites the, you know, the Shakespeare to him. Yeah. And, um, it's just so beautiful. It makes me want to cry both for the, what's happening in the story with Fern and, and to the sort of shattering of my own or the, the, the mirror it's held up to my own assumptions about people uh, and how, I, and, and, you know, someone who, who, who attempts to, you know, not make prejudicial judgments about people. And then again, realizing that of course I am. And of course I do. And, you know, like I'm going to try harder next time. Yeah, <laughs> I no, see I, Derek I, not to, right. Yeah, but no, like, that's a great, that's a, a a good point and thank you for that vulnerability um i think you said it more eloquently than i did but i had the same thing right i assumed people were going to be a threat and so um from my perspective what the the great couple of next steps is to like we're doing sit and think about that and what what has built that and so some of it is um the work I do. Some of it is uh, my own experience. Some of it is other movies I've seen. Some of it right. is the era we grew up that was very stranger dangery, right? Right, right. Yeah. Um, and so to kind of unpack it so that I can unlearn it a little bit and then move forward with um with better understanding, right? With right, um right. with don't judge a book by its cover, with folks um choose and are led you know to this or that um way of being in the world for a number of reasons and you know there's nothing wrong with smiling and waving and continuing on your way kind of thing so right 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 great like you're doing you are doing the work (laughs) um it's it's that question of okay then what happens next time right 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 um yeah, it's a yeah, this definitely that you're the holding the mirror up. You're right. I immediately in that um, when she goes to the gathering in Arizona the first time and we start to hear Bob talk and I'm like, yeah. oh, is Bob going to be <laughs> like the cult leader who's. Uh, yes. Yeah, um, yeah. Or, you know, and again, I. I, I identify sometimes as a radical feminist i in that i think it does all need to be burned down and start over <laughs> that being said i'm not holding the match and so uh i didn't know if that i didn't know if like bob was gonna be a threat to her in some way yeah, or the, yeah, the right. ideas would be a threat to me and um and i you know what what was shared i i can't argue with any you know, of the things that he's saying, um, I, I would just hope that this isn't the only way for folks, I guess. Right. Again, right. being very motion sick, this is not an option. For right. me. Um, <laughs> well, I don't think that they're saying it. I don't think he would say it is either. Right. I mean, I think there's a sense of this is a path. I'm mm-hmm. offering you a perspective and a path and mm-hmm. you by sitting here are, you know, somewhere perhaps along this path mm-hmm. but like then paths the people diverge and they go their different right. ways and, they, and that's like it makes right. a different choice right right because he i mean it it's we don't we don't we only have the highlights of sort of his history and family and all that but there is estrangement and then an opportunity to be close again and so 
you know, for him, it's a great opportunity to settle back in. And I don't know. I, I think they did a really great job in both of the houses yeah. of making them seem uncomfortable. Yes, yes, yes. Which is not what I would think, you know, as a person who tends to sleep indoors in a right in a bed. Yeah. In a full, yeah. Yeah, full bed that's not. But I also get like your comfort being your comfort. And I, I loved when she went and slept in the van because she couldn't yeah. sleep like that. Yeah. And then comes back into the house when no one's awake and mm-hmm. like wanders through the house room to room, sits at the dining room table, gets up, pushes the chair in, walks out of the house and never looks mm-hmm. back. I mean, it's just amazing. This like the ritual. She goes through these little rituals. And I just one of the things I love about that sequence, too, is when she very first gets to the house, she gets out of her van mm-hmm. and she looks over and she sees his van, mm-hmm. which is like. The tarp is half off it. Yeah. It clearly hasn't been looked after or used recently. And like from that moment, she knows like yeah. you're not going anywhere. Right. Like you've landed for some amount of time. Yeah. Um, and then that's later confirmed for us in that fun scene with the, with the baby. Um, uh, you know, and you feel I feel such heartbreak in some ways for her but then i'm like is that just because of my assumptions about how movie coupling has to happen and you know and and he seems to be he's he wants her to stay there everybody seems to be really excited for her to be there and he's loving his role as a grandpa Mm -hmm. and so you just kind of go oh but how much of this is me for her or me for me or because then suddenly i'm the lady from the very early on when she's in a walmart or something um, when she's doing her, when she's still at Amazon seasonally, that's so worried about her. And the kid says, my mom says you're homeless. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And it's interesting how she's. <sighs> it's Okay. It was hard to hear her like feel like she had to justify her choices. Yeah. So much in the first half. Yeah. And so I think that's part of what helped me settle into the movie was yeah. that meeting that community. Yep. Yep. Where you don't have to justify it. Right. And so then when he leaves, then it's sort of that's where the heartbreak is for me. Right, right. 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 And there's a Yeah, it It's so um complex. Uh and that's where I think the no no easy answers comes in because there's she's She doesn't, 
it's almost as if the movie is asking her to justify it to us too. In the first part of the movie, there's a certain defiance to her performance. There's a set to her jaw yeah. and, a, you know, uh, and, and she has then, great boundaries. Oh yeah. There's something yeah. I noticed throughout, but certainly in those early bits when people are questioning her and she's, She's not upset, but she also doesn't overly explain. Like I was kind of impressed with that. And then with David Strathairn in multiple different scenes that she's, she's in for what she's in for and then she's out. And, and I thought she played that so nicely Yeah, that now I'm, I'm conjecturing that that has to have been part of the conversation at some point. Right. Right. Because. So many people <laughs> don't have such, as I would say, sort of solid, strong boundaries with, for like for their own goals, but also right. for their interactions with other people. Right, right, and how those two things are rub up against one another. Yeah, yeah, that boundaries and communication kind of. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's it's so true, and I, I think. You know, I thought after the movie ended, I was thinking, would I be satisfied if she had stayed? Oh, yeah. Because part of me really wanted her to, like, pick up, like, feel comfortable with that baby and, like, hang out at that house. And it just seemed easier. Yes. And, like, here's a here's a community that is welcoming you. Um, but. And, and seem to have some of the, some values that would be in line. <laughs> Right? Like they are, it seemed to be a working farm of some size. Yeah. And, and that they're a respect for and a, and a um, relationship with the land and things. Yep. Right. And there was a, there were a lot of people in the house. It wasn't just like a nuclear family plus grandpa. Like there was relationships I didn't fully, that weren't explicated about who was related to who and who's a, an aunt and a friend and a you know, whatever. I, I, and so the, that kind of extended spiky community feels closer to yeah. the, um, but that's not the way, I mean, the movie couldn't go there. I mean, that would no, have been, any can't go there. Cause right. Cause she does have to go back. And I, I, uh, this is again, it's against my standards, but like when she explained why she stayed in that town, it, I, I understood her reasons. And then, you know, she goes back and there's nothing. Also, I thought there would be threats there. Like, right. Right. Like who's squatting in your old home? Like I just, (laughs) I was so worried. (laughs) Right. So now that she's done that, I do wonder maybe she could come visit next year. Yeah. And it feels like maybe a new stop on the seasonal train. Like, Go to work for Amazon here. Go to the camp there. Maybe go f- see the swallows herself one season, yeah. um, you know, in honor of Swanky. And then find her way back to that farm on a semi-regular basis. And, you know, like call when you're in the neighborhood or whatever. Yeah. And, um, and she lives Yes, exactly. Oh, I love Linda Day so much. <laughs> yeah. uh, I... I, I um, the other th- thing I love about this movie is that the people that she encounters that she becomes close to, she has, there are certain, as you say, boundaries and walls she has up. She doesn't seem to be the easiest person to get to know, 
but then it only takes one little interaction and, th- and then we jump ahead to where they're like they've c- clearly been having conversations like she she's she's not um like a, a hermit no, or a hello to her places like i mean that's something i noticed right is such a um acquaintance level but camaraderie yeah right and she says i like work i like i like working i that was the so if there is anything that i worked less for me or what have yes. you um, tell me I didn't like the scene with the um, uh, uh, temp uh, career counselor work. Oh yeah. Counselor lady only because to me, that was the only scene that I had seen before. Interesting. I've I've seen Mm -hmm. that scene. I've heard that story. I've, you know, I've worked on and off. I'm a, I'm a woman. Um, you know, in fifties or sixties, I've worked on and off my whole life, but I'm not trained for anything like that's a, I've seen that. And so I think right. to me, it stood out because the way everything else unfolded was much more novel to, mm. to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so I, I don't know that it would hit everyone that way. I don't know if that matters. I don't know if that was on purpose that like, yes, this is the same story. It's still a problem, right, um, right, which could also right. entirely be true. But that was the only part that I was, that was a cliche bummer mm-hmm. where the other parts were so such more striking in their mm-hmm. difficulty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You, you, it's it's a, it's an interesting. I hadn't thought about it quite those terms, but the idea that that scene is text, whereas so much of us is subtext, and it's like by 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 personifying, by giving a little speech to that, that it like feels more movie ish. Yeah, yeah that's, you know. I could. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, the the only part that felt that 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 was a little that that threw me out a little bit was the f- the first scenes when Davis or Theron's son comes to the restaurant there and yeah. it just felt, and, and I know it's part of it's supposed to feel like the equilibrium that she has made, that has, has sort of found there is shifting pretty radically underneath her with the arrival of this guy who seems and also again, like could be some kind of threat and yeah. in some ways kind of is, but not in the way that we're expecting in movies them to be. Um, but there is a, there is a, uh, there was, a, there was something about the performance that felt more um, performative than so many of the other things we were seeing in the movie. I mean, David Strathairn has always been a good murmurer. Uh, it's funny you used the word murmur early, earlier for it. Like the whole movie, it's a, mur- it's a murmur movie. Um, and that that first he felt like he, there were some just lines coming out, and that 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 was a little mm-hmm. um. But, but tiny, these are these are that's a little quibble. Yeah. I'm not, you know. No, absolutely. Um, do you know what what his what he does for a living? He did not. So I I just uh, mm-hmm. Wikipedia'd, and he did not come up as a a name that you could click on. Um, so that was my guess was just did it doesn't matter. They just wanted that relationship and and this was the kind of movie they were making. So so they Right, did. right. Yeah, I, I yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <sighs> Good uh, stuff. There, there there is a there is a uh, um I'm a little worried about this movie. Tell me. I'm worried in the same way I'm a, was I feel a little worried about Moonlight. <laughs> in that here's a kind of delicate but sturdy movie beautifully made minutely observed that then oscar attention comes and 
that can sometimes sp- it doesn't spoil the movie. The movie will always be the movie. But there's then it becomes part of this whole conversation that we have to have about what should win and what's right. the best and is it too quiet and is it only because of only because there's a pan- I begin, you begin to hear this sort of it's only because we're in, we're in a pandemic that this movie is because because it, it is it's a home view thing and you can find it on Hulu and like there's all I this think stuff would have wrecked me much worse to watch on a big screen in public. I agree. I agree. I agree. But there's a question of whether people would have gone, like, you know, to the theater to see this movie. Because it's a pretty small movie. So anyway, there's there's I I I hate it's I hate that sometimes that these movies, especially these smaller movies, can get swallowed up in the conversation around yeah. awards. And then if let's say it does win Best Picture, then this forever the conversation is about Best Picture winner Nomadland. I'm like I wish we could just talk about it as the movie because yeah. I think the movie has so is so much more, more more than that. On the other hand, I would love for this movie to win yeah. a best pick. I mean, not, I've not seen all the nominees yet, but there is a but but I, this I would love kind it to of a win movie. best director having not seen all the nominees. Yeah, totally, uh, totally. I, I'm I'm just um, so I'm, I'm glad it's getting all the accolades. I'm glad that gets more people to see it. Um, I'm an, and I'm a little bummed that like it becomes a thing of judge a thing you have to have a judgment on now, right? Oh, awards movies being things that we get to judge as opposed to movies that we get or things that we get to experience just to one degree or another, yeah. another for certain segments of the viewing population. Um, so uh, I, I stand, but I stand, I stand by no man. <laughs> I see that you, you did say the word pandemic, which does bring me to a pandemic related question, but luckily it's not one with an answer. Um, or it is, <laughs> It's not one with an answer. I have um, okay. something that I am going to look into. Um, because I didn't have time because I finished it today. Um, I'm I'm curious of how how this community or communities uh, like this are impacted. We're impacted because on some level we are all impacted. But you know, thinking of things being closed that traditionally were open that would get in the way of of a, a your route, um, and yet in terms of being self sufficient they're ahead of the game in, in right. some ways. And so, right. and the way, I mean, I, and I, of course, why that came to me was when they were the um, hosts, like the campground hosts, which I don't yeah. know yeah. if those closed or not, right. um, but, and, and Linda May taught her how to put the gloves on and, and always, always, which of course always wear gloves, but, but if you were new, maybe you wouldn't, Right. Oh, and you had had led a different life up to that point. So, yeah, I was just, I'm just interested in how, how pandemic has impacted that community. um, Totally. Which is something I don't know the answer to. So it's not a good question for right now. Uh, but a it's a good question. question. <laughs> it's a good question. Just one we don't have the answer to right now. But I'm sure that I'm sure, I bet someone's written on that at, by, at yeah, this point, absolutely. especially yeah. given the way that the movie. My fear is that people will start to um uh like do it as vacation yes yeah tourist uh and and that that would be i think like tiny homes on airbnb fits that quest yeah right yeah yeah totally totally um enough that just a little speaking of things that have impacted folks financially um of course all you know, people that have attractions and 
and personal homes and, and things have been impacted. But there's a there's a, a tab in the Airbnb app that's for yeah. experiences, Ooh. many of which are still open. So for instance, for Christmas, I got to spend 90 minutes with goats and pigs, a mere 40 right. minutes from my home. That's right. Um, which used to be goat yoga or used to be a, you know, I almost said one night stand. That's not what I meant. I meant spare room for rent. <laughs> you know, no, it could have been for one night stand. I didn't ask. But uh, that's Craigslist. I think you're thinking. Of. In any case, if you if this movie has inspired you to to um, take a look at the environment differently, I think there are ways to um, do that near your own community and in a way that supports the community and folks that right. are, um, you know, cultivating their livelihood. Good yeah. Goats. yeah, totally. Who doesn't want to? Yeah. Okay. Tobin. Yes. <sighs> do you want to play a game? <laughs> I really, I really do. I really do. <laughs> This is a game called Would Fern Buy In? Okay. Okay. Something that's obviously a component of this movie that struck me um, is about things. You know, the dishes were important. The dishes get broken. I did love when she just told him to walk away. Yeah. Just he's trying over there. He's trying so hard to help. Poor guy. And I love that that like then that doesn't become a thing in the movie. Yeah. It's not a thing after that, but you know how much it means. It's so, yeah. so good. So good. So good. Um and the um exchange of goods, there's a a, a culture of um exchange. Yep. And things that are used for more than one thing, right? Because you don't have a lot of space, so multi-use. Right. So I I was sincerely interested in like things that are multi-use, what have you. Unfortunately, when you Google multi-use tools for travel, instead of like a van dweller's guide, you get a bunch of listicles of just absolute (laughs) bullshit. And so I picked my favorite, which was a buzz list feed. So here's the thing. There are 18 things on this list. Okay. You have to justify why Fern would buy four of them. Okay. Okay. Because if I just okay. said, would Fern buy into that? You would say no for all of them because they're ridiculous. <laughs> okay. So, so you're going to tell me Fern bought this and I have to tell you why. Or I'm going to, I'm going to list them out for you and, and you have a bucket. You have to put four things in the bucket at the end okay, of the got day. It, got it. I got it. Okay. But you get to say no to 14. Okay. 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 Um, and then is there a screen share option for us here? Do you know? I don't think so. Okay. Then I'm just going to send it to you. Okay. Um, because it doesn't have to be a surprise so that you can see what we're talking about. I, I'm going to put it in the chat. So again, I put multi-use, I put for travel, I thought I would guess this would get me somewhere I wanted to be, and it was just absolute yuppiesville, so. Okay, okay, okay. So on this listicle, multi-purpose products that'll make any traveler's life easier. 
Yes. Number one, a lightweight water repellent blanket. And we can see in the photo that it folds up into the size of a matchbook. <laughs> um, okay. And could be used for anything. Okay. So do you want me to say on the way down if I think this is one that she would get or not? Or, or... I think it would be best if you just sort of made yourself a little list. Okay. And okay. then at the okay. end you can tell us. Does that sound okay? Okay. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah. Okay. So we'll make we'll it quiz. Number two, facial size. Number Wait, two. What? Travel size facial mist. There you go. Ooh, formulated oh. with aloe, herbs, and rose water to hydrate and refresh. Also doubles as a makeup setting spray, Tobin. Kate says, boyfriend being a jerk, spray this stuff on it. It's a cure-all. Oh, my gosh. That is what the review says. <laughs> it's amazing. Okay. 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 An electric kettle. Great. You gotta plug it in. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Number four, the inflatable travel pillow with attached hood. So you can be <laughs> that guy anywhere yeah. you want. It's like a hoodie hood attached to a round your neck inflatable pillow. Yes. It's amazing. You, and yeah. this gentleman has his cool leather jacket on. So you can be cool from the neck down. <laughs> yes. Uh, and warm from the neck up. <laughs> comfy t shirt dress. Sure. I mean, we've seen we've seen um, Fern in in something like that. Um, <laughs> the RFID blocking travel wallet, told not only foreign currency, but also your passport, boarding pass, cell phone, and credit cards. <laughs> Without looking too bulky, says someone. <laughs> yes. Oh, here it is, Tobin, right here. The portable iron. This is amazing. Perfect for touching up a shirt collar. Or even ironing a pair of pants on the go. I'm going to put the link to this in the description in the yeah. show notes so people can follow along if they'd like to. Because this, like. is this is a longer game than usual. Um, it's extraordinary. But again, this was this was a sincere Google of what I thought were the words that were going to get me <laughs> right. And there are a couple things on the list. So the next one sure. we have, number eight, is a mini bottle of Dr. Bronner's liquid soap. Which I mean, the person know. here uh, uses for their hair, clothes, body, and even as a toothpaste in a pinch. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Now, this is what was missing from this movie. A Bluetooth-enabled selfie stick. A Bluetooth-enabled? <laughs> what does the Bluetooth do? I don't know. What would it do? Okay. Um, number 10, a do-everything moisturizer. I mean, the desert does get pretty dry. Glitter-free highlighter. The moisturizer could serve as a glitter-free highlighter. <laughs> it's true. Um, a belt with a secret pouch. Mm. None of, no, no longer the, um, you know, peach-colored uh, fanny pack that goes underneath your... Under your clothes <laughs> with your money. Yeah. A travel adapter with voltage converter. Okay, for all the various voltages you might encounter traveling abroad. <laughs> <laughs> a four-in-one okay. canvas bag. I don't know what else it is. I mean, to me, that's... All the pictures look like the same bag. Right, so the four things are backpack, tote, shoulder bag, or crossbody bag. To me, that's not a four-in-one. That's just a bag. It's a bag with different straps on it. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Okay, number 14, three-in-one portable razor. And this young woman <laughs> appears to be in the back of an Uber. 
shaving, yeah, shaving her, her leg. legs. <laughs> it looks like I she mean, has that's, a, that's fern all the way, isn't it? <laughs> a dispenser in her hand, but it's a, apparently a razor. Um, but was able to shave in my car on my way because that's important. Wow. Uh, number 15, a luggage strap to attach your backpack to your suitcase. Fine. I'll give you that one, folks. Yep. Um, 16, packing cubes. We are a family of packing cubes. We are. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm not going to get too upset about it. And then number 17. So again, a list of multi-purpose travel tools and supplies. Rubber twist ties are number 17. <laughs> Rubber uh-huh. Uh-huh. twist ties. And then I have that exact twist tie. I do. I have it yeah. as well. And then finally, a two-in-one quilted organizer. With separate compartments for both makeup and accessories. <laughs> Again, fern all the way. She just epitomizes the whole thing of makeup <laughs> and accessories. Yeah. I mean, yep. she would laugh so hard. She would laugh so hard at this list. <laughs> um, so, Tobin, if Fern had to pick up four items, yeah. what do you think she'd pick up and why? I got it. I'm, oh, I, do. I've got it. He's ready. I do. Okay. Here we that? go. I'm going to go in. Be, uh, uh, from from the higher number in the list to the lower number in the list, because I think this makes more sense as an order. The first thing that I think that uh, she would have are rubber twist ties, because that shit is useful. She could twist things up in the van. She could like hold, you know, cords here and there, drawer shut. Like, it, yeah, it could it could mend in a pinch. Totally mending. Okay. I feel like rubber twist ties are a thing that Swanky would show her how to use. That's yeah. that's where I think okay. that, that those fall. Uh, the, the, so that's number number that was number seventeen. The next one I would say is number eleven, which were the packing cubes. Mm-hmm. I feel like being able to squish your belongings down to then stick in one of those drawers she's built into the side of the van or whatever would be a nice way to keep all the stuff compact and. I just think it'd be that feels like a thing she would actually like have. It's easy to, um, you know, when she then needed to go on the bus to see her sister or when she was going into the home um, toward the end of the movie that things that that could be a sub packing. So she didn't have to root through her things to get like an overnight bags type of stuff. And I have one where the one side is mesh and the other side is plastic. Right. Right. So that if you were going to use it for laundry, you could use it on the way to laundry and on the way back. Right. Totally. Okay. Totally. Um, okay. The next, the next one I have is number eight, the Dr. Bronner's liquid soap, which could also be toothpaste. I mean, anything that can be multiple things, right. I feel like is a contender here. Yeah. No pun intended. Uh, so that feels like something you, she might have stashed away somewhere or that someone might have given her thinking she could use yeah. in a way that might be a little condescending, you know, uh, but anyway, that's one I think. There sounds like there's a tonic quality to that. There yes. might be multiple uses for when Dr. Bronner's like the grooming several times, right? She cut Swanky's hair outside. Um, we saw her um, cutting her own hair in a bathroom. Um, so that's a you know that's absolutely a con- there is bodily maintenance, as we saw, is a concern. Very much so. World. Okay, and finally, I was, concer- I was concerned for her bodily maintenance through through the movie. Um, the last one is a bit of a stretch, but go with me here. The last one I'm going to say is number four: the inflatable travel pillow with hoodie. 
Um, this is what I, okay, this is what I think. I think this is the thing that you first look at the list and say, there's no way she'd have anything to do with this. That then when you met her and you're like hanging out with her, she would pull it out one night around the campfire when it's getting a little chilly or like she wants to go to sleep and people are being noisy or whatever and she's in the van and like they won't sh- turn off the music or whatever. And you're like, what do you have? She's like, you have no idea how great this actually is. And then you would try it once and you would say, actually, this is a fantastic invention. So uh, uh, counterintuitive, perhaps I would add uh, to the to the rubber twist ties, the packing cubes, and the Dr. Bronner's liquid soap, the inflatable travel pillow slash hoodie hood. I love it. Thank you, Tobin. Of course, you won the game. <laughs> oh yay! I I wish um, I wish Chloe and Fran would weigh in and tell us what they think of our choices. <laughs> yes. Um, obviously, the larger issue is that that's what came up when i googled this um but again (laughs) late stage capitalism is that what you said yep yep that's where we are (laughs) now is the point in the podcast where we decide is this film progressive or regressive and give our closing thoughts. Is Nomadland a step forward or a step back for fearless women in front of and behind the camera? Put us out of our misery, Aislinn. What say you? I mean, I think I've already said it uh, multiple times. Uh, fearless is a word that comes up in this movie and could I could describe any of the characters um, with it. And knowing that so many of the folks, um, you know, were playing themselves... I think that's amazing. Um, the way you described kind of the the way this film was cultivated, I think is not only important and special, but also progressive. And I'm clearly a, a big fan. This movie touched me. Tobin, how about you? Yes, I agree. I echo all that. I, I would say, and I hope this doesn't, keep people from watching the movie that this movie can make you a better person. (laughs) But I think it's true. I think movies have the power to do that if you're open to them in the right ways and, um, uh, or, and if they're the right movies and this movie does feel like one that is so interested in illuminating humanity that I found it, I guess I should say this way, this should say it this way. It made me a better person, I think. Um, and I think any, uh, any movie that illuminates humanity this way, whoever made it is a wonderful thing. Then to have the first woman of color nominated for best director, one of two women nominated for best director for the first time ever. Um, you know, the fact that this movie got recognized as much as it has been recognized as much as it has. Um, don't let that dissuade you either. <laughs> this is a wonderful, wonderful movie and a, definitely a step forward. So, uh, yes, that's what I have to say. Awesome. Well, folks, like we said, it is Oscar month. So our next episode will be the other <laughs> film whose director is nominated. We're going to be watching Promising Young Woman from 2020. And that will be arriving in your podcast feed on April 27th. We will record it before the Oscars and it will air after the Oscars. Uh, so you can. So we, you will know more. Uh, you'll know before we do. Uh, 
the listen the um that's gonna be a very different movie and stylistically and i'm a little nervous about that one and i'm wondering if this is the movie i would have made and that's the movie you would have made um we'll we see. will see we will find out but i've not seen this yet and i i am very um i'm very curious as to what we might uh encounter with promising samezies over here um, so, Tobin, if folks want to um, get in touch with you and and tell you which items on that list uh, they want to take in their van with them, where can they find you? People could find me on Twitter at Tobin Addington, all one word. I'm no longer talking about my second dose vaccine side effects. Uh, I'm, I'm through that, knock on wood. Uh, so you can come find me there and hopefully just tweeting about movies these days. Aizen, what about you? Where can people find you I online? I am at Sassy Nerd MT uh, on Twitter. Also, now that it's April, I want to plug another podcast that I'm co-hosting. Uh, I am um, joining Brian Rodriguez on High School Slumber Party for... High School Slumber Party AP Advanced Placement, um, which comes out the first Monday of the month. So our our first episode uh, came out a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we watched the Map of Tiny Perfect Things on Amazon and talked about it. So that's uh, sorry, lost my brain. That series is about um, teen movies, high school movies uh, that were made in the last two or three years. So 2019, 2020, we're doing contemporary teen movies because we're in our thirties and that's <laughs> right. Cause we're old millennials and we want everyone to know it. Um, so you can find me there as well. Um, you can find us on Twitter at contenders underscore pod or on Patreon at the contenders Special thanks to our members who've joined at the marquee level or above Sean Flynn and Jeff Addington. Uh, go buy merch go to tpublic.com and search for the contenders podcast one of the reasons we are going to be able to do our episode on promising a young woman is that those of you who have bought merch t-shirts and tote bags and notebooks are going to be able to subsidize us renting that movie uh, so that we can rent that movie and talk to you about it so please uh, please continue to go support the show that way as well we here at the contenders are proud members of the cage club podcast network you can explore all their great shows at cageclub.me and you can keep tabs on all the cage club happenings on twitter at cage club pod as always thank you so much for listening I'm Tobin Addington. I'm Iceland Addington, and we'll see you next time on The Contenders. Writer, director, editor, Chloe Zhao. I don't know where my bell is. <laughs> it was behind you when I was in there last time. I know, I... Oh, I found it. Hang on one second. Okay, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready.